0: Hey, let's see if we get our PowerPoints back. Uh, We'll be in good shape. Put my Bible here. Thank you for having me and for this opportunity to be with you again. Uh, Let me do a little test here. Make sure we're on the right page. Yes, we are. Thank you, men. Hey, they saved the day today. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity to be back with you for Fortifying the Family Day. It's an exciting day. You heard me say last year that I believe if I had it to do over again, I could be a better husband. And I believe if I had it to do over again, I could be a better father. I think so. And some of you might be a lot like me. And so last year we focused mostly on building a strong marriage. And some of that had to do with what kind of men we are and and husbands we are, uh, as godly men, what we're called to be. And the focus was on our marriage. And so this year we are going to focus on ourselves as men, and especially in the context of of being better fathers, perhaps. Uh, What I would do differently if I had it to do over again. In our Bible class this morning, uh, I read this quote that I like. This writing: "The greatest want of the world is the want of godly men—men men who will not be bought or sold, men who, in their inmost souls, are true and honest, men who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole." men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. And we challenged ourselves as men to raise the bar, the level of expectations that we have for ourselves as husbands and fathers in particular. We looked at a cultural or social definition of masculinity, of powerful social messages about what it means to be a real man. And then we examined a what I call a biblical model of masculinity, and we used a metaphor to do that. We talked about qualities of a silver sword and a man's positional power. And uh, these are certain qualities that more often than not serve him very well in the workplace. But to be a biblical model, we would have to suggest that Jesus knew what it was to take up a silver sword, and we did that. We looked at Jesus' cleansing of the temple. And I assure you, he took up silver sword qualities. When, when he made a whip and he literally drove them, he had a righteous anger and he drove them out of the temple. And then we looked at John chapter 13 briefly and we used the metaphor of the qualities of a gold sword, a different kind of qualities. And there in John 13, Jesus first recognizes his positional power, his positional authority right when he said all things have been put under me and then he goes on to teach them a different kind of power Uh, we call it metaphorically qualities of the gold sword personal power the kinds of qualities you must possess if you're going to capture the heart of your wife and children in a way that allows you to influence their lives And we said that the manner of Jesus' life was that of a gold sword, man, metaphorically. And so uh, today, um, this lesson, we want to focus on reflections of the gold sword. And particularly, let me back up here. Look at Psalms 119 with me, and David's writing there will be a foundation for what we talk about here this morning during this session. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in the following in following your statutes. As one rejoices in great riches, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And what we see happening here is David, he first asked, How can a young man keep his way pure? And then he proceeds to proclaim his desire, watch this, to be a man of God, to know God's decrees, and to consider his ways. And indeed, in our class, we challenge men to raise the bar and the level of expectation of ourselves. And in this time together, we ask ourselves, what are the characteristics of a godly man? I like this passage, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. Be strong, let all that you do be done in love. I love Cecil May, I do breakfast with him each week. He refers to this scripture and he calls it, man up. It's time to man up. It's time to act like men. Well, how does a godly man act? In a practical sense, what are the characteristics of a godly man. In a practical sense, what are the reflections of a gold sword? And in particular, <clears throat> how a man impacts his family, and especially his children. I suggest that parenting today is difficult because it is a place of spiritual warfare. You don't get married and the devil leaves you alone. You don't bring children into this world and the devil leaves them alone. Satan is seeking to capture the heart, and the mind, and the very soul of our children, and consequently we are indeed in a raging battle for the hearts of our children that begins at the cradle and should never end this side of the grave. I'll be doing battle for the hearts of my children and my grandchildren. It began at their cradle, and it will never end this side of my grave, Malachi 4 and 6 says, he will turn the hearts, the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. You see, as noted in our class this morning, there's one thing I know about men, and that is that your influence will not be neutral. You have it within you to be an incredible blessing in the life of your wife and children, or you have it within you to do unspeakable harm. By your presence or absence, by your action or inaction, by your involvement or neglect, you will shape the character and the competence and the faith of your children. Or listen to me, you will sentence them to grapple or to wrestle for the rest of their lives to discover the influence that you were supposed to have. Amen. Amen. So let's look at reflections of the gold sword and more specifically today how a father influences the life of his children especially. A gold sword man will be involved in the life of his wife and children. You see, the formula really is pretty simple. Less time equals less influence. I don't know if you like the garden or not. But if you do, I suspect that I could come over at your house, I could go in the back your backyard and I could survey your garden at any time throughout the summer. I could walk over to the fence and look over in your neighbor's backyard and look at their garden, and then look back at your garden, and I promise you I can tell who's putting the most time into their garden. You with me? Because less time equals less influence. It is as simple as that. Quality time takes place in the context of quantity time. I have always worked a lot in my life. Previously as the CPA, those guys tend, and men and women, tend to work a lot. And I've always always, uh, heard that phrase, quality time. But I have become convinced that quality time might help us feel a bit better about our busyness But, in reality, quality time takes place in the context of quantity time. There are moments when you simply have to be there, and you're either there or not. I like this quote, You simply can't think efficiency with people, you think effectiveness with people, and efficiency with things. I've tried to give 10 minutes of quality time to a child or an employee, to solve a problem only to discover such efficiency creates new problems and seldom resolves the deepest concerns. Isn't it true? I like the way it says that uh, you think effectiveness with people and efficiency with things. Uh, I've got a, a, a high-quality lawnmower. It's very efficient. You know, if you got a lawnmower, you want it to be efficient, right? But you think effectiveness with people and efficiency with things. <clears throat> when you work with people, when you try to... Uh, influence the lives of people, it's not going to be very efficient. It's going, to, in fact, to be inconvenient. It's often going to require a lot of your time. When will we realize, <coughs> as men, that we're so powerful that we can't do our own thing without affecting everything and everyone around us? We can't have our cake and eat it too. <coughs> eat it too. Now, there may be some who do, who pull it off. But I'm here to tell you it's really hard to have your cake and eat it too. It's really hard to maximize your position in the workplace. It's, it's really hard to maximize your promotions. It's really hard to ma- maximize your portfolio, to maximize your possessions, and not pay a price for that. It's really hard to have your cake and eat it too. Let me uh, see if I can give some more specifics when I say a gold-sword man will be involved in the life of his wife and children. Specifically, I would suggest to you what I call IRT, Individual Relationship Time. Now, what really impressed uh, the importance of this on me was a story from a couple many years ago. I won't read the whole thing to you, but I'll give you part of it. Uh, This couple had a son named Blake, who at the age of 11 was diagnosed with a brain tumor. They left Abilene and went over to the Metroplex of Dallas and they were at the uh, hospital doing all kinds of tests, uh, going to see this neuro this, this neuro that. You get the picture, right? And the mother writes me a letter sometime later about this ordeal when he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. She says, the week seems endless, and yet it is racing by too fast towards the surgery. The strain seems unbearable, and yet God gives us the strength to make it through each day. At night, after full days in doctor's offices, we are in great need of happy diversions. We let Blake choose where to eat and where to go, such as the mall, fishing shops, or whatever, anything to get a smile on his face. These smiles are precious to us. We, we may never get to see them again. Our hearts are heavy. She goes on to say, We are so ready uh, to go home to Abilene after uh, this emotional, exhausting week, but, but it will only be for one day because Blake's surgery is scheduled for Monday. Blake sleeps in the car on the way home while both Butch and I make plans For family members to keep our other three kids, they have told us to expect to be in the hospital for three weeks, maybe more. On Sunday, now watch this, we drive to Decatur, Texas to leave the other kids with my brother Rick and his wife Amy and their own four kids. Rick is trying not to cry as he hugs Blake. Rick says, sorry buddy, that this has been such a bad week. Blake looked very surprised by Rick's words and replied This was the greatest week of my life I was an only child I had mom and dad all to myself We were stunned our week of she says living hell was his best week ever I'm sure that with that will be uh there will be many lessons to learn before this journey is ended but Here's the first great lesson in this journey. Blake did not name the movie we saw or his favorite places we ate at or the cool stores we took him to or even the $36 laser pointer we bought him. No, his joy was simply being with us, mom and dad. Our kids want our time and attention. They just don't care about all the stuff when they have us. Oh, isn't that good? Out of the mouth of babes. And you know what that story convinced me of is what I call IRT, Individual Relationship Time. That your children, at some level, all of your children want to be an only child. If you got two or three children, guess what? Each one of them needs an individual relationship with their father. IRT individual relationship tone. And you know, if you're an involved father, if you're an involved parent, you will be aware. Awareness is important, and I must give my wife credit. She, uh, when we were raising our children, she was a prayer warrior for them, and she prayed that we would always be aware. If our children were ever involved in something they didn't need to be involved in, that we would be aware that it would be evident to us. And so you might ask yourself, what do you need to be aware of? Well, first, let me mention, as Wanda prayed about our awareness, we get a phone call one night and it was from our strong-willed daughter. And I answer the phone and I'm just, I'm listening to her on the other end, but she's not talking to me. I hear her talking to other Children, other young people, teenagers, they were out and about on the town. I'm sitting here, hello, hello, and I just hear her talking, and they were making plans for the evening. And they were making plans that they didn't need to be making, and I'm sitting here listening to this. She had not called me. Her phone was in her purse, but somehow in that moment, it rang home. And I'm sitting here listening to it, and I hang up. In a few minutes, I give... Amy a call, and I'm like, Amy, where are you? I'm over here. What y'all doing? Yeah, what you gonna do? I I think you need to come home. No, I'm I'm going, no, you need to come home now. Right? And I'm like, she was the prayer warrior. I can't explain it, but Amy phoned home unknown to her, right? (laughs) Oh, we need to be aware. What do you need to be aware of? You need to be aware of their friends. You need to be aware of changes in their moods, changes in their attitudes, changes in their grades, changes in their behaviors, and need to be an aware parent. Let me ask you something. I don't have much time to speak to this, but it is something that has concerned me more and more. What if you had a child that was on a foreign field somewhere off to war, and they were going into battle, How many of you would be checking on your child almost on an hourly basis to find out whether they returned safely? I bet everyone would want to know how your child was doing when they're on the battlefield. And I'm here to tell you, we have our children, our uh, young boys and girls, our young men and women who are entering the battlefield And we have too many parents, I think way too many parents that are looking the other way, that are sending their children into battle without their parents' protection. And what I'm speaking to specifically are these devices and things we have these days that have all kinds of information on them, good, bad, and ugly. Hear, Hear me say it, if you don't have strong parental controls, into what's entering devices and entering your child's life what's entering your home and your family you are sending your child into battle without you going to defense for them my son and i had a serious conversation a while back Uh, at times i get to talk about human intimacy and sexuality and sexual integrity and such things of that and what we're called to as men to take up the battle to be men of integrity. And I said, Alan, son, your son, my grandson is 12 years old and he will soon be stepping onto a battlefield. You know it, I know it. And we have got to walk along beside him and help protect him and be aware of the battles in his life and help show him how to fight the good fight of sexual integrity and such. And I said, we're not going to be able to show him how to do it if we don't do it ourselves. And I said, I'm asking you if you will be my accountability partner. And you and I enter into an agreement with one another, and and we buy the program Covenant Eyes, where you get a weekly report on my usage of devices. I get a weekly report on you. Now watch this. Because in a year or so, we need to be able to go to your son and my grandson and say, Caleb, we want to invite you to join us in accountability of being men of sexual integrity. We want to walk along beside you. We want to invite you into our circle. You with me? We need more fathers who are protecting their household and their children, I think, in that way. And in sharing that story with you, I confess to you that I failed to do it well with my own children, with my own son. I didn't have enough answers, I guess, back then. But I've apologized to him for not doing better at walking along beside him and protecting him in a world of spiritual warfare. Oh, we as parents need to be aware of what's in our children's lives, if we're involved parents, we will be aware parents. Gold sword man will, number two, create emotional bonding experiences. Why would I suggest something to you that seems so obvious? As noted earlier, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their father. Children come into this world with the capacity to win the hearts of their parents And I suggest to you that the man that takes up the qualities of gold sword has it within him to capture the heart of his children in ways that allow him to influence their lives. But why do we discuss it here? I suggest to you, listen to me. We discuss it here because if we don't get this right, then not much else we do really matters. Let me say that again. If we don't get the emotional bonding. This right, then not much else that we do really matters. You know, we all have a longing for belonging. We all want to believe that we are worth knowing. When children do not feel they belong, when children do not feel that they are worth knowing, what do they do? Well, you know what they do. They act out. Sometimes they run away. This is one of my daughter's early writings. Keep in mind, she was our strong-willed child. To mom, I'm going to run away. I already have lots of blankets and lots of clothes. I know in OW that you know in OW why I'm going. But just in case, I'll tell you. The reason I'm going is because nobody loves me. Maybe you can catch me. Love, Amy. (laughs) She's got the heart with Amy and with her mom. And listen to me, there is certainly some humor in it. And this writing is precious to me. But listen, it pains me to say that it was far more difficult to convince our strong-willed daughter that she was indeed loved. Not just at the age of six but also at the age of 16. You see, as I look back on it, um, I have always worked a lot. Always. And truth be known, we as parents like for parenting to be efficient. We would like it to be efficient. In fact, raising my compliant son, Alan, was very efficient. I got a lot out of the time that I invested into Alan. But I'm here to confess and I'm here to tell you that as a father, my strong-willed daughter needed more of her father's time. My strong-willed daughter needed more of her father's individual relationship time. Oh, why is creating an emotional bond so important? Well, you know, rules minus a relationship promotes rebellion. Rules plus a relationship promotes obedience. I don't know if you're a dog lover or not, but if you had a dog maybe named Fido and you came walking down my street and I were to come out to the curb and meet you there as you walked by and I said, hey, Fido, sit. You'd probably look at me like I was crazy. Hey, Fido, roll over. By this time, Fido's looking at me like I'm crazy, right? You know it. It'd be foolish. It's because I'm not about to influence the behavior of Fido if I haven't done what? This. If I don't have a relationship, haven't created an incredible bond, I'm not about to influence their behavior, their life. So how do we create emotional bonding experience? Well, to begin with, one of the easier ones we would think, perhaps, would be verbal affirmations of love. And yet, some of you men have a hard time saying it. Like this student wrote me, how, you, how do you express affection? My mother's side of the family is very affectionate. We all say I love you daily and hug before and after visits. My dad's side of the family is a little different, which is the reason I've seldom heard him say I love you and most of the time, it's always, you know, I love you. And the family members I've met, we never said, I love you. But but he tries to show it the best way he knows how. Watch this now. I will say, because of this, I tend not to get close to people. Student, writing me. Because of this, I tend not to get very close to people. How about this writing? I have many memories about my father and about growing up with him in our apartment next to the elevated train tracks. For 20 years, we listened to the roar of the train as it passed by his bedroom window. Late at night, he waited alone on the tracks for the train that took him to his job at the factory where he worked. The midnight shift. On this particular night, I waited with him in the dark to say goodbye. His face was grim. His youngest son had been drafted I would be sworn in at 6 the next morning while he stood at his paper-cutting machine in the factory. My father had talked about his anger. He didn't want them to take his child, only 19 years old, who had never had a drink or smoked a cigarette to fight a war in Europe. He placed his hands on my slim shoulders. You be careful, Stephen. And if you ever need anything, you write to me and I'll see that you get it. Suddenly, he heard the roar of the approaching train. He held me tightly in his arms and gently kissed me on the cheek. With tear-filled eyes, he murmured, I love you, my son. Then the train arrived, the doors closed, him inside, and he disappeared into the night. One month later, at the age of 46, my father died. I am 76 as I sit and write this. I once Heard a New York reporter say that memories are a man's greatest inheritance, and I have to agree. I've lived through four evasions in World War II. I've had a full life of all kinds of experiences, but the only memory that lingers is the night when my dad said, I love you, my son. Oh, man, you need to be able to say it. And you need to add the power, what we're talking about, the, the power of the spoken words, and and to that, you need to add the power of meaningful touch. The power of the spoken word, the power of meaningful touch. I remember when I was doing some adolescent drug rehab work, Carly was in our meeting and one of our sessions, I saw tears running down her face and I'm like, Carly, can you share? And we were kind of talking about affection and she says, This it's been four months since either my mom or my dad gave me a hug all the power of physical touch the power of, of meaningful touch and then thirdly i don't have time so i it here uh the idea of bonding experiences oh you need to create bonding experiences i'll say more about this here in just a few moments but as I reflect on the people that I'm closest to, who is it that I have an incredible bond with? It is almost always, watch this, people I laugh with, people I sweat with, meaning work, and people I cry with, meaning we hurt together. I think about the people in my life that I'm closest to. There are people I laugh with they're people I work with. They're people I cry with. Isn't that true? We'll say more about that here in just a moment. A gold sword man will create emotional bonding experiences. Thirdly and lastly for this session, a gold sword man will be a model of character, competence, and faith in the life of his wife and children. You'll be a model for them. First Corinthians 15.33 says, Evil companions corrupt good morals. There are many negative role models that are held up before our children. I know it's an old example, but it really makes the point I would like to make. I know the parents, most of the parents in the audience, will remember a guy by the name of Dennis Rodman, basketball player. Oh, it's been quite a while ago probably 20 years ago. He's pretty bizarre kind of guy, but very prominent, very well-known, right, at that time. Yes, I know most of our young people are too young to remember him, but allow me to make my point. Did you know that Dennis Rodman was an author? He wrote a book, I got it right here. Uh, if it wasn't so revealing, I'd have it on a slide, but The title of the book is called Bad As I Want to Be, and that kind of reflects his life. He was bad as he wanted, but bad as I, and the I is in gold, and he's sitting on a Harley Davidson motorcycle, which is metaphorical, right, kind of stands for the rebel and kind of captures his title, Bad As I Want to Be. I live life by my rules. I live life my way. And I can be as bad as I want to be. What a philosophy of life, right? Yeah. And then you go to our family-friendly McDonald's restaurant. And I like McDonald's. But I don't necessarily like that back in the day that Dennis Rodman was on the McDonald's drink cup. For your children to drink and take and do what with put on their shelf in their room. That's the kind of models that are being held out before your children. I'm like, here's a guy that wrote bad as I want to be. You think I want to give the drink cup to my child? that He might in any way would want to emulate that philosophy of life. And then I'm in a car repair place. And I look over, and here is the Texas 20, Texas Monthly magazine. This was a special issue. And I'm waiting on my vehicle, and I look on the front cover, and there's Dennis Rodman, the author of Bad As I Want to Be. And I don't know if you can see it. I guess maybe you can. The caption says, Tops our list of the most impressive, intriguing An influential Texan of 1998. And I asked the owner, can I have this magazine? Uh, Look at this again. Tops our list of the most impressive. I don't think so. Most intriguing, perhaps, and influential, I hope not. Texan of 1998. How about somebody like Barbara Bush that you might hold up and recognize? recognized before our children oh it is spiritual warfare all kinds of role models being negative role models being held up to your children and I suggest to you that if it is to be it begins with me fathers if it is to be it begins with me listen to this one of my favorite quotes I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eyes are more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing. Example is always clear. That's worth saying again. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eye is more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing. example is always clear. Amen. Children are observational learners. Maybe a picture is worth a thousand words. My dad is a Lampert's man. If there were no Lampert's people, then other people won't have houses. Then people would have to live in the street. My dad is the best dad ever. He taught me to make a wooden airplane. It was the best plane ever. He taught me to make a tree fort. He has a Harley Davidson and he brings me on motorcycle rides. He is the number one dad. He loves me and I love him. We are true pals. My dad plays baseball, football and basketball. My dad's name is Todd. It is fun when he jumps on the trampoline. I like when my dad pretends to fight with me. It is very fun. My dad is awesome. I would kiss a pig for him. <laughs> my dad is very strong. <laughs> Try another one. I have the greatest dad in the world. He is always there for my mom, my brother Joey, my sister Elizabeth, and me. At nighttime, he reads us books, sings us our favorite songs, and says our prayers. During the week, my brother Joey and I help my dad every night pack 32 Bags full of oranges and apples and some snack bars. Then in the morning, my dad goes under Lower Wacker Drive and hands out the bags to the homeless people that live there. I hope when I grow up, I don't only look like my dad, but act like him too. I love my dad. Oh, and how about you grandfathers out there? They were nominating parents for awards and Brendy in the fourth grade says the father I want to nominate is my grandfather. If I had to pick a grandfather out of all the grandfathers in the whole world, I couldn't have picked a better one. Sometimes as a joke, I'll put my stinky socks in his briefcase so that at work the next day he will think of me. He's all watch this. He's always at the concerts and plays that I'm in, even though he lives about an hour away. My grandpa makes me feel that I can do anything if I put my mind to it. He makes me feel special and loved. Sometimes I cry in bed thinking about the day he will die and it makes me feel sad and lonely. Finally, I want to end with one wish that all kids could have that special fun grandpa time like I do with my grandpa. Oh, I got another one called Smiley. See how much I love you, but it's too long. It's good, but it's too long. Let me close with this. It's not so much what we say, but in what we are and do lies the power of training. It is not our wishes or our theory, but our will and our practice that we really train. It is by living, watch this, men, it is by living the Christ life that we prove that we love it, that we have it, and thus will influence the young mind to love it and to have it too. Oh, let me think in a mo- for a moment in my marriage. I was, I was reading a few weeks ago a book and I came across a story where a wife was remembering her husband and she re- said uh, he was deceased and she referred to him as a saint. Wanda was looked sitting across the room from me. And so I asked, I said, I don't guess you would describe me as a saint, would you? She laughed. She laughed and said, well, you wouldn't describe me as a saint either. Now, if you look beyond the humor of it for a moment, it occurred to me that God refers to you and me as what? Saints. 1 Corinthians 1-2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, those set apart to be holy, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. And so beyond the humor of the moment, I began to think in a more serious note, and it troubled me a bit. That God could maybe see me as a saint, but my wife might not readily view me as a saint in her eyes, or my children might not readily view me as a saint in their eyes. What is lacking in me or in our relationship that would preclude her from readily recognizing me as God's sight. See, last year we talked about honoring your spouse, respecting your spouse. Look, we're, we're taking it up a notch here. Do you hear me taking it up a notch here? We're not just talking about showing me respect. Now we're talking about, do you see me as a saint? And watch this. I didn't even ask her the author's next question because the author's next question was this. Man... Does your wife feel as though she is married to Jesus? Now you think about that a moment. Because when I was with you last year, we talked at length about Ephesians 5, where it says, Men, you love your wife just as Christ loved the church. And we looked at John 13, and, the, and the, which Jesus demonstrated that love by washing feet. And if I love my wife just as Christ loved the church, then she would be able to say, you know, living with him is like walking with Jesus. Your children would be able to say, you know, living with him is like walking with Jesus. Oh, we're raising the bar in our expectation of men. So as I look at this, it is by living the Christ life that we prove that we love it, that we have it and thus will influence the young mind to love it and to have it too. Let me close with this. Can you show them how to be a straight arrow in a crooked world? Can you show them how to choose well and to create a marriage that will last a lifetime? Can you show them how to fight fair, what a worn Bible looks like? Can you show them how to say I was wrong and how to both seek and extend forgiveness? Now watch this. Can you show them how to be willing to change and be transformed? You see, we talked about it last year, so I can't say much about it this year. But I'm here to tell you that a gold sword man will be willing to change and be transformed. Do you remember the story? Probably not. Where I had a client where the wife was asking him to be more affectionate towards her. And he, at some point there, looks at her and he says, Well, I'm not very affectionate, and that's just the way I am. And hear me, men, husbands and fathers. I said to you then, and I say it to you now, God is the only I am be.' The rest of us are called to become something other than what we are. Don't give me, that's just the way I am. We're called to be transformed, to be changed, to be a holy and righteous people. Men, don't tell your wife and your children, that's just the way I am. So as we close, I ask you if there's There's a change you need to make in your life. You got people here who are willing to pray with you and walk along beside you. If we can help you in any way,